welcome to our now monthly Thursday night divorce TV show live stream. Always the last Thursday of the month and this is where we make peace our weapon of choice. My guests today are Kathy Daigle, CFP, CDFA from California. She's a certified financial planner and financial consultant for divorce and estates. But we'll be talking about her big passion which is um, collaborative law. We're also going to be talking to Julie Starr from Canada about possibility life coaching for women. We'll have a shared story from Shelley Ann Salisbury of the Mediation Pod based in the UK and we'll end with a lovely healing from a live healing from Debbie Talalay who's our international healer and the new stories we'll be covering will include Kanye West who shares what divorce feels like after a judge declares Kim Kardashian officially single uh, a very interesting description from him of what he thinks divorce feels like. And Slater and Gordon in the UK has halved the price of getting a divorce. Don't get too excited. But first, let's bring on uh, our first guest, Kathy Daigle. Um, Kathy is uh, calling from coming from California. She's uh, reaching agreements for the family by the family using the collaborative practice. It's a respectful, no court way to resolve disputes and I know you know if you watch this show before it's something that I talk about a lot. Hello Kathy and welcome. Can you hear me okay? Yep. Yeah. Yes, thank you for having Great. me. Great. Brilliant. And so we're going to we're going to be talking about a collaborative law and just as a sort of reminder to people who are perhaps not familiar with it, it is uh, the way I describe it is you've got two people usually getting divorced and obviously with extended families that can be more than two people sometimes and they're dealing either with the children or the finances sometimes both and they sit around a table with their specially trained collaborative lawyers who aren't like just normal lawyers they've got extra straight training to do this and they uh, talk instead of sending lots of expensive letters backwards and forwards and essentially that that pretty much sums it up doesn't it it really does, Susie. Thank you. <laughs> um, and it's the first a thing, approach. yes, no, it's it's a beautiful approach, and and we're going to cover a few things with with it. But the first thing I wanted to talk to you about was one of the things that's always amazed me is how hardly anyone's heard of it. Um, it some lawyers have, haven't even heard of it. So it's been around for over ten years in in the UK and started in the US, and it's, it's international. What do you think are the main reasons that collaborative law isn't just like a household name, everybody knows about it as a, a clearly a good way to get divorced? Excellent question. We as practitioners often ask us that question ourselves regularly. Public and professional education are continued to be required in order to get the word out more. And lawyer resistance has been a common topic of conversation among collaborative practitioners and professional trainers. How do we get the word out more and so that we can utilize this process to help the families stay out of court and add values to their settlement negotiations? I'd like to say that collaborative divorce is not new. It's simply not well known. And it's the most recent development in dispute resolution models since mediation was introduced in the 1970s. Collaborative divorce, as you mentioned, Susie, offers the support of a team and it allows space 
to explore creative settlements. It is a no court process with focus on the family. Rather than taking positions and fighting about who might keep the house, it's a problem solving approach. Sitting around the table, like you mentioned, Susie, it's a novel idea that you could imagine and visualize. A problem solving approach with the support of a team. The team is used to help ensure that interests and cares are fully understood and clarified during negotiations. And I'd like to say that the interdisciplinary team is made up of legal, mental health, and financial professionals. It's a really an efficient and effective way of managing the process because it helps to align the right professional with the right task at the right time. And so it's an approach that allows the family to really co-create their agreement themselves. You know, this resistance by the lawyers, um, we're really hoping more and more education and understanding can help reduce the fear and resistance around it. But historically, lawyers have been the point of entry for divorcing couples. And, but that is changing. Mental health and financial professional doors of entries are becoming more and more common. And couples tell us that they wanna know more and get started before talking to a lawyer. So, although some lawyers may resist offering collaborative divorce as an option, more and more couples are asking about it. And uh, one of things that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly less optimistic than you are because I've had people tell me that, oh, my law is very collaborative. And this has been in the UK. And I've said, are they collaboratively trained? No, they weren't. They just, they were talking about round table discussions, which is not the same thing. It, uh, it may seem the same to the client, but those professionals have not had specific training. Actually, it'd be really interesting to know a little bit about what is it about the training for collaborative law that helps take a, a regular lawyer with a specific way of, of, of dealing with family law and kind of turn their head around and put them in a place where they can genuinely be collaborative. What, what kind of things do they learn and do? That would be really interesting to know. That is a key piece for the lawyers. It's an experiential process. The collaborative divorce training and collaborative law training is very experiential. There's a lot of theory and negotiations, but we're going to be focusing on interest-based negotiations and not positional. That there in itself can be a shift for many lawyers to let go and really develop curiosity around the interest. What matters most and why? That right there is a shift. And furthermore, one of the fundamental foundational pieces of collaborative divorce and collaborative law is the disqualification statement. It's kind of a DQ clause, if you will, where all the professionals and the clients sign at the beginning of the case that we have scouts on it, nobody's going to court, and we're willing to sign and witness, and be more accountable for that. So that's a, a paradigm shift, if you will. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, the language we use. There's language that shifts. We no longer talk about custody of children. It's co-parenting in timeshare. So we are optimistic through training, visualization, experiential, and success. And it's that time and those times when we have the success with the family, the richness comes. And it's a richness for the professional him or herself as well. 
as the family. And I think that really is, I hope anyone listening to this, considering collaborative law, will will hear what I'm hearing, which is that that training is absolutely key. It's not just a, a tick box to say they can practice collaborative law. It is uh, vital for them to be able to do it properly because it's a really skilled job and it's not something that even the best um, Rottweiler lawyer would be able to necessarily do if they wouldn't be able to do it unless they at least had the training. Um, Do you find it's a bit of a problem with old leopards not changing their spots or do you feel that there are combative court-based lawyers who can put on the collaborative hat and suddenly turn into this completely different being? Interesting. I like that analogy. And there are some difficult mindsets that aren't as open and willing to make shifts and see the possibilities and be curious to understand why. What can be the benefit to this family, to me? To the process and to the community and the greater law society as a whole. This is big, this is global, but it's not for everybody, you're right. And it does take some hard litigators, but then we ask if it's not for everybody, would they be better off in court? Oftentimes not. So how do we develop the transparency, the hard work, the professional skills to help these families through and restructure in a way that works for their family? So that they could create two different households together yeah but um, it's not for everybody and those uh, old dogs there's some new tricks but yeah. not all the old dogs can <laughs> take hold. No, and when we say not for everyone we're actually talking about the lawyers being collaborative lawyers not people going through divorce because i i don't think when people say that all oh, mediation's wonderful but it's not for everyone my answer is yes it is it's just that not everyone's able to access it in a, in a right. way that works for them, because there's a big difference to my mind. But just to briefly finish off with, what led you into being um, so passionate about, about practicing collaborative law? What, what started it off? You've got a couple of, two minutes. It all started back in the day, in the, the early 90s, actually, as a certified financial planner, I often found clients and women coming into my office and not understanding what they had just received in the settlement or what they might be getting during a settlement. So I found and became passionate about helping couples during the divorce process so that they understood what they were getting and that would empower them to make better decisions and more durable decisions. So I think taking care of the children, putting the children first, collaborative divorce does that taking a look at the finances, understanding what the inventory is, making sense of it all so the clients can make decisions. And it's really for the family by the family. And I feel passionate every day. I've been doing this with my teammates for over 25 years. And I still take trainings. I am a professional training teaching other colleagues about collaborative divorce. And it's the richness that keeps us going. And the thank you notes from the clients because it really does make a difference. That's lovely. Thank you, Kathy, and thank you so much for coming on to the show. That was lovely. I love talking about collaborative law, and it would be so great if everybody already knew about it. Uh, I'm going to do a, a whiz through the news summary now, so prepare yourself. So begin with, we've got... Uh, 
City AM talking about Slater and Gordon has halved the price of getting a divorce in preparation for the introduction of new laws allowing for no-fault divorce in the UK. The law firm said it would cut fixed fee charges to those seeking a divorce from £1,020 to £540 plus court fees. That's absolutely great, of course, but... You, you do know, of course, you can do the petitioning yourself. So I'm assuming that their fixed price doesn't cover the financial agreement and it's just that petitioning part. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I'd be amazed if the fixed fee covers the whole lot. But it's great that they are, are reducing the cost. In the meantime, Manchester Evening News thousands of couples right thousands of couples this is amazing are rushing to file for divorce before Wednesday that's yesterday people in the UK of course won't be able to apply now for a divorce for a week while the law changes are made so the Manchester Evening News surprisingly they say surprisingly law firms have been seeing an increase in couples filing for divorces before the no-fault policy comes into effect Amanda Phillips Wilde of who's managing partner at lawyers at Stowe Family Law says the number of individuals scrambling to inquire about divorce while still within the time frame to cite the grounds of divorce has been surprising. So the question is why would so many people want to divorce through blame instead of divorcing without blame? So here's a possible answer. Research carried out by the firm revealed that 43% of Brits erroneously believed that being able to prove the other party was at fault for the marital breakdown would favourably impact their financial settlement and custody over any children. But, as Amanda explained, this is not the case. It is actually very strange, isn't it, how that myth has persisted for so long. And now we have a scandal, absolute scandal, HMCTS urged to cut £593 divorce fee. The Law Society Gazette tells us that calls are growing for HM Courts and Tribunal Services to slash the £593 divorce fee given the process will be online and quicker under reforms coming into force. This is obviously in the UK and this is the fee that you pop on online on your own to do the petition. That's what you have to pay. No lawyers that's just the filing fee, okay? A new digital service accommodating no-fault provisions under the Divorce, Dissolution and Separation Act will be introduced on 6th of April. The process is expected to be quicker. However, the £593 fee to file an application for a divorce will remain unchanged. Discussing the changes at a webinar hosted by co-parenting service Our Family Wizard, David Hodson, a member of the Law Society's Family Law Committee, said it was a scandal that the fee has not been reduced. He said that's fine if a judge is going to spend time on it and there's paper, but an online process is an absolute scandal and should be reduced, he said. The Gazette asked the other family lawyers who concur. A Ministry of Justice spokesman said, or spokesperson said, all of the money generated from the divorce fee is spent on our courts and tribunal systems, minimising the burden on the taxpayer. There are no plans to reduce it. The department says that by asking 
court users to pay more where they can afford to do so means it's able to fund areas where fees are not charged to vulnerable victims and users. Court users unable to afford a fee can apply to the fee remission scheme Help With Fees. The current divorce service will be switched off on 31st of March, that's today. If you think that's a good idea, pop it in the in the um, comments. Do you think they should reduce the fee or should they keep it keep it as it is and uh, save the taxpayers apparently some money? Now, Canada, they've had some uh, divorce rates uh, changing. Apparently, they've just had a bunch of statistics through. A new report from Statistics Canada shows Canada shows how divorce rates across the country have shifted over the last fifty years, along with more recent changes. Between 2019 and 20, there was, surprise, surprise, a significant drop in divorces as divorce trials were hampered as a result of the pandemic. While the number of divorces in Canada has been falling for several years, this year's decline of 25% is the biggest since the Divorce Act of 1968 was enacted. Couples must separate for at least one year before a divorce can be granted in no-fault divorce cases. So in Canada, they have to wait a whole year. At least we've taken a long time to bring it in here, but at least when we have done, you won't have to wait a year. You can go for it straight away, which have traditionally formed the bulk of cases. As a result, the entire impact of these disruptions on the number of divorces won't be apparent in until 2021. So you have to wait a year. They're all waiting that year before they can get divorced. Divorces are becoming more common as people get older. Since 1980, when it peaked at 36.2 years, the average age of divorce has been steadily increasing. It has been closer in Canada now to 46 years in recent years. Let's see what, what's happening with the old um, famous people getting divorced. What about Kanye West? Kanye West shares what divorce feels like after judge declares Kim Kardashian officially single. Kanye West is sharing what divorce feels like in a new Instagram post, which sadly I couldn't find, so maybe they've taken it down. And it was shortly after a judge approved Kim Kardashian's request to become single. So this, when they become single, it's a called bifurcation in the US and it's similar to being legally divorced here. Um, but you haven't sorted out any of the finances yet. So personally, I don't really recommend it. Um, but they want to be able to date other people while still embroiled financially and as co-parents with their ex without technically committing adultery. But why would anyone want to date them when they have so much baggage still to sort out? That's what I don't get. So Wes shared an image on Instagram that likened divorce to full-blown COVID, walking on glass, suffocating and being shot. But traffic is slow. It's not clear if the words on the image were written by West and many commenting on the post had hoped that the post was announcing new tour dates. A representative for West did not immediately respond to Fox News Digital's request for comment. Shortly after, it gets it goes from bad to worse, West shared a since deleted video clip of a music video for his song Easy, which seemed to target Kardashian's new boyfriend Pete Davidson. In the mostly claymation video, West is seen kidnapping and burying a Davidson lookalike. The video received criticism online and by Davidson's friends. So has your ex made claymation videos burying you or your new partner? Let me know in the comments if this is normal. I've got to have a little bit of a, a rant later. 
Uh, it's actually, in many ways, a really good article in Psychology Magazine, but I Psychology Today, sorry. Uh, but there are certain things about it that, that annoyed me, so I'm going to talk about that later. It's How to Have the Perfect Divorce, Tips to Navigate the Life Crisis of Divorce with Respect and Dignity. But uh, first of all, we're going to go on to our next interview. And we have Julie Starr joining us. And Julie, you, uh, obviously you're an author. <laughs> we can tell that. <laughs> very, very subtle. And, uh, and, um, and I've, I've got a, uh, yes, your husband left now what? How to be your own hero and live your better life um, is, is what I was reading off your um, uh, LinkedIn profile earlier. But you, you work predominantly with women, is that right? Oh, I don't seem to yes, be. I oh, yeah, you're, you're three. A life coach since. Two... Can you hear me? I can. Okay. You're three now. Uh, technology. I have been a life. Okay. I have been a life coach since 2002, and worked with. Before that, I was a therapist and worked in a psychiatric care hospital. So, my work has always been about empowerment of women, better lives lived, and. Um, about 18 years ago, I went through my own divorce when my husband left, and it's, um, I was married for 18 years, I have been divorced for 18 years, and I ended up working with a lot of women who have experienced that, so therefore the book and um, my empowerment of women to go through this. Divorce is an interesting journey, and there's a specific journey for the women who experience a husband leaving which is a little bit different and um so when what yeah there's a slight slight delay when i'm seeing you i think it's but don't worry we can hear you you are coming through um so julie why why do you specifically work with women well you know i have had therapists um refer men over to me and i work with them but I work with women because I am a woman and I, I relate to the psyche and I relate very much to a lot of the women who do come to me are beautiful, emotional um, women who either come usually through a crisis of some sort. Divorce is the crisis we're talking about now. And um, they want to create a better life. And I, I believe for men, women, every gender a better life is possible. It's looking inside, um, figuring out what's working for you, what's not working for you, what are you tolerating, and how can you make that better life? Like, what are your dreams? What what have you suppressed? What do you need to release? It, it's a journey for each of us, that better life. And and what what, what led you to write the book? Because obviously you work want to you know work with clients uh, face to face. What what made you want to write the book? I wrote it because I wanted to reach the women who are, if anyone's listening to your show now and she's lying on her couch terrified, she, you know she hasn't thought of divorce and suddenly she's getting divorced. Usually a man who has left has a game plan already, and you know he's been thinking about it for a while. I'd say probably 80 to 90% of the situations, there can be another woman in the curtain waiting. And um, 
there's a lot of psychology pieces to put together. There's the grief, there's the overwhelm, there's just being blindsided. And I have the know-how how to do it because I've done it. And I have my life coaching tools and, you know, my heart just led me to writing the book which was a wonderful experience. So, and it's reaching a lot of women, which makes me so happy in different countries because every journey is different, but there is a commonality. And hopefully what you'll do, and the other guests as well, I was encouraged that once I'll, I'll email you late, all later with the links to all the different platforms that the show is on. And then you can pop in the comments a, a link to, to the book or any other information that you want to share with people. So I thought it'd be a great thing thing for you to do. Um, so, Julie, do you, what do you think are kind of the biggest mistakes that, that women make when they're facing divorce? When I say mistakes, I mean um, things that are not, help, not, not helpful because they haven't talked to you yet and they don't know... Um, what are the kind of things that they that you see commonly happening? Okay, I think that it's a journey. And the journey is something that you've never done before. So a lot of mistakes will be made just like in anything in life that you don't know about. And the biggest piece I tell women is be gentle with yourself. You make a mistake. You learn something new. I mean, I wish I had my book years ago when I went through it because <laughs> I didn't know basically it's all my mistakes and it's like you don't know what you're doing the biggest pieces i would advise women is find the right support family and friends are wonderful but not every person knows how to listen with without judgment um care empathically um let's see what else i would i would definitely suggest getting the support I loved your interview just now with the collaborative lawyer process. That is the way to go or mediation, if at all possible. Unfortunately, a lot of the marriages where the husband leaves beforehand, there can either be a narcissistic edge to things or there can be, I don't want to call it negativity. So not even on the woman's part or the man's part. It's just that one partner can be a little negative. So mm. you may need the help of a lawyer. Find a lovely lawyer and if you need to and do not speak to your lawyer for support, which is where I made my mistakes and lost my whole retirement fund. Um, so, you know, but get the support that you need with people, with legal maze, financially now this is a little tangent but a lot of women are intimidated by the financial piece maybe they haven't been running the, the finances in their marriage mm -hmm. and they're not quite sure what to do about it do not give up your when you work on your financial piece that's really taking care of your future self and your future connection with your children, your grandchildren, to have a financial base. So if you don't know, find a good financial advisor. Um, yeah. You know, just be careful because finances, money matters. That's I have a chapter in the book it's called Money Matters. Yeah. 
And it really does matter because money puts the roof over your head, buys the food, supports your kids. So yeah. don't let that go. I think that's very sound advice. Very sound advice. Um, thank you so much, uh, Judy, for coming on the show. And I hope you pop your link to your book in the in the comments in, um, when I send it over later with all the different links. Thank you, Susie. Brilliant. Lovely to meet you. Love your show. Thank you. Bye for now. I'm going to do a bit of a rant now. Um, we're hoping to get a lovely mediator on, but there's been a technical hitch. We're going to hopefully she's going to have another go just before. But I've got a few minutes to talk about this. I, I don't want to be mean because the, the person who wrote this is is uh, a PhD, no less. And she uh, says lots of very, very good things. But there's certain things about it that I'm not happy about. So I'm going to have a rant anyway. So this is how to have the perfect divorce tips to navigate the life crisis of a divorce with respect and dignity. Um, this is by Anne Gold Bouchot, PhD in psychology today. Uh, her key points are great. Get the support you need before beginning the legal process. Reflect on how to protect your children and work out a way to share parenting time. And throughout the process, stay calm and take breaks when you feel triggered. Worried about a bad divorce, she asked. These simple tips will help you have an almost perfect divorce while protecting your children and launching your family into a healthy future. Almost perfect. I'm just uncomfortable, I'll be honest, about the whole idea of this perfect divorce because it is such a difficult time for most people. It's just another hurdle, something else that they've got to try and achieve. Um, but she does give some good advice nonetheless. She says, the number one, one I have to admit is a bit odd to me. She says, don't threaten divorce if you haven't thought it through carefully. Be sure either you make the decision with clarity or your spouse has decided. Perhaps you've offered to go to therapy with them or make other changes, but the divorce has been decided, she says. So so the first tip is to make sure you're actually getting a divorce. Uh, not sure how that makes it more perfect. Um, kind of would have thought that would normally be the situation that you've decided to divorce. Um, again, I've, I, I'm irritated by the idea that there's all these people who are rushing into divorce because I don't think there are. I think it's such a difficult thing to do. Um, there's a big difference between threatening it uh, in a tantrum and actually filing. So uh, I'm not so, so keen on number one. I don't think that's a, a good place for this article. Number two, she says, don't rush into the legal process. Absolutely. Get the support you need. Divorce, even an amicable divorce, is a life crisis. You need to connect with friends, family and perhaps your therapist to get through this stressful time. Don't listen to your friend's horror stories or well-meaning advice to lawyer up. Every divorce is different and you can make your divorce easier. Give yourself some time to deal with your emotions before you jump into a legal process. Absolutely. Though I would add I would add in a divorce or life coach there, not just counselling, um, therapy, and also uh, healers as well can be very powerful. And why do they need to jump into the legal process at all? Because they can sort the finances and the children matters with very little recourse to lawyers. Number three, she says, consider how to protect your kids. You and your spouse agree on that one thing. You both love your kids. Ask your spouse to work with you to divorce in ways that protect your kids from the damage of a bad divorce. Try to focus on your kids and take your emotions, grief, fear, anger, etc. elsewhere to a friend, family or therapist. Do you think Anne might be a therapist by any chance? Now, this is where I'm getting a bit annoyed because there's this focus on focusing on the children and taking your emotions to a therapist is all good 
but it falls a long way from truly protecting the children. So parents need practical support like using co-parenting calendars, creating a co-parenting plan. And this, at this point, this advice for a perfect divorce is clearly not aimed at those divorcing a raging narcissist. So number four, it says, don't put your kids in the middle. The loyalty traps are consciously or unconsciously using your kids as messengers, spies, confidants or allies. Let your kids love both of you because this has been shown to help kids become resilient and healthier over the long term. Don't make them decide which one of you is the victim or is to blame for the divorce. Tell that to the people who are rushing to divorce before no fault came in. So they deserve parents who respect each other, even if they can't be married any longer. Don't trash talk your soon-to-be ex. She says her young client, Rachel, told her the most painful thing about her parents' divorce was the way her mum and dad spoke about each other. Now, this is really good advice. But what happens if the other parent is alienating the children against you? Does that mean you're excluded? from a perfect divorce. So number five is be prepared to compromise in your negotiations. Use an out of court process, hurrah, such as mediation or collaborative divorce that gives you more control over the decisions and the outcome of your negotiations. Very few divorces actually need the involvement of the court. Here, here. Although some high conflict divorcing people need an outside decision maker. Now that's true, but but don't assume that to be court. Uh, you can avoid court by using arbitration. Uh, private judge, um, it can be much cheaper and quicker and much less traumatic and often much cheaper than going to court. It's healthier, she says, for you and your family to work together with your soon-to-be ex and peacemaking professionals. Focus on what matters most to you and be open to listening to and understanding what matters most to your spouse. Work together to craft agreements that work for both of you as well as for your kids. Even if your ex is reactive or provocative, don't take the bait. Now, that's easier said than done. It really does take some time and practice to be able to follow this advice. It's good advice, but it's, this is why I recommend people with a triggering spouse, for example, spend time with someone like the life liberator Ruth Driscoll. Um, way before they head towards mediation because she specifically works with them on how not to be triggered and how to change their communication even if they are a raging narcissist. Number six, stay calm and take breaks when you feel triggered. Remember that arguing during meetings with professionals who are running their meters is expensive. Remember that your agreement may not seem fair because everyone's idea of fair is different. Focus instead on what is acceptable. Actually, I would suggest you focus on what your needs are. Uh, by working with a financial planner, for example, you can work out the best way to split the finances without anyone ending up homeless or without enough money to live off. Uh, what's acceptable is what is a sensible solution. Worked out with a financial expert, which is not a lawyer. They don't have the years of training to do cash flow forecasting and understand the tax implications, etc., unless they've previously been in that role. In detail. It's a, it's a different career. It's not something you just tag on as an extra skill. Number seven, use a team approach. Working with a divorce coach can help you and your soon-to-be ex navigate the divorce process with respect and dignity. Now, again, good advice, but make sure that the divorce coach you use isn't getting all their referrals from a Rottweiler lawyer and make sure they really believe in dispute resolution because they may have had a terrible divorce themselves and not be particularly keen on collaborative law or mediation. So do check them out carefully. 
Number eight, work out a way to share parenting time that is realistic and works for everyone. Kids usually struggle when they have to go back and forth between two homes. So make it easier for them. While frequent contact with both parents is ideal, too many transitions can be hard on the kids. Find a schedule that is appropriate for your kids' ages. Be prepared to reevaluate the schedule if it isn't working well for you or your kids. Make sure your kids have what they need at each home so they don't have to move with baggage each time. And try to find housing that is relatively close to the other parent's home. She says, suggests between two and seven miles apart is ideal, which is great if you can afford it. Very good advice. So this is why I think that creating a, a co-parenting plan is essential. Also, I'd consider working with parenting experts who can speak with authority on how decisions could impact the children because sometimes that can help the other parent hear that better. Number nine, work on your co-parenting relationship. You might think of your new post-separation relationship as a business partnership. You are partners in the business of raising your children. Here, here. Number 10, find ways to communicate without conflict. You can use apps such as Our Family Wizard. Most parents use a shared calendar and text only for logistics or emergencies. Emails are brief, neutral and informative and helpful, but especially just before the children transition from one parent to another. Though of course you can, you can use the app for that. This creates a more seamless transition for the kids. Plan regular check-ins with your co-parent to discuss how the kids are doing or to clarify changes in the schedule. Now, I agree with all of that, but I think it's a mistake to just use a calendar when you haven't put a parenting plan in place. You can use mediation or a parenting advisor to help you. Also, there's a new, there's a new co-parenting calendar called We Parent. Uh, if you want to try it out, let me know. I can get you complimentary access. Don't jump right in, is number 11, to dating. You probably aren't ready, and your soon-to-be ex will probably have a strong reaction to getting you getting into dating before the divorce is well underway or done. Isn't that right, Kenya? Don't blindside your ex. If you are in a new relationship, tell him before telling your kids. But wait, wait until your new relationship, she says, is committed relationship of significant duration, nine to 12 months. It's a nice idea. Sorry about my dog in the background. Nice idea, but often with men in particular, um, don't mean to be sexist here, but you guys sometimes think it's great to get the new girlfriend seeing the kids way before nine months. Um, if that's likely to happen, talk about it in advance. Agree ground rules in the parenting plan, but also be realistic. You know what you like. You know, Don't make promises you can't keep. Number 12, stay focused on the future. Think about your goals and plan steps towards those goals. Think of this new chapter as a new opportunity for growth and change. Dottie, she says, told me that her divorce was the impetus she needed to turn her baking hobby into a new small business. She now delivers her baked goods to many cafes and restaurants in her city. If you want to see a therapist to process what you can learn from the problems in the marriage and the divorce, this will help you find new ways to be in relationships without repeating mistakes. So this is all great advice, but it does bother me how there is this idea perpetuated of a perfect divorce. So trying to conduct yourself with dignity, well, give it a go but don't expect yourself to be perfect there is no such thing all you can do is access good information early learn how to make dispute resolution work for you and do the best you can with the spouse that you're divorcing loading extra judgment on yourself isn't going to help you now we were supposed to have the lovely Shelley Ann here she might suddenly appear but I think we I think she's given up trying to get in unfortunately so we're going to move straight on into 
a quick just a quick reminder of a couple of things I've been up to so we've got ooh, just turn the sound down on that that's very loud we have got um, a workshop coming up this is a fantastic way to prepare yourself for divorce it's on the 7th of April this is for people in the UK everyone who gets a ticket also accesses a complimentary session with our wonderful experts so this is the workshop that I ran uh, recently the first one I did online in California although you missed the live version you still can access the experts for a complimentary one-to-one -one with a ticket and you can watch the actual uh, workshop because we've recorded it now a little bit earlier I'm glad she's there to, uh, Debbie so we come a bit earlier than, than uh, I told her we would we're going to be talking to Debbie of the Stanford process and Debbie uh, those of you who watch the show will know she does lovely lovely healings um, but I just want to remind everybody a little bit about what she does because she has a very specialized form of healing Hello, Debbie. Hi there, Susie. And um, so, uh, just before I let you loose on everybody, um, you're, you, you're the Stanford healing process. Can you just remind people what that is? Well, it is essentially theta healing, uh, which redirects the thoughts in your brain so you don't automatically go from A to Z in a straight line, it redirects you away from all your negative thinking. Uh, and I've enlarged on that by clearing up people's energies. So I put people at peace with themselves again. Uh, and that's where the Stanford healing process comes in, uh, because I develop this and I clean up people's energy and integrate them back into themselves again. And it was and, it was not something that was taught. It's something that I just dis discovered as yeah. we went on. And it's used. It's not just for people who are a bit stressed and want to calm down. It's, it's for, you help a lot of people with some quite serious stuff. Can you just let let people share a little bit about the kind of clients that you you, you regularly help? <laughs> All right. I've just finished with a lady this evening who was sent to me because she's 36 and doesn't have a boyfriend and wants to be married and she thinks she wants uh, a partner but actually there's all sorts of underground stuff about thinking that she's going to be um, uh, just goods and chattels, that she's going to be uh, governed by her partner, that uh, she won't have any autonomy over her life anymore. There's all that going on underneath. Um, then there's also stuff that uh, she doesn't think she's worthy. That So you notice I'm not saying any names here, but this is a very common scenario. So people who are single and don't want to be, once you start digging, you find out that actually there's all sorts of reasons for remaining single, very deep and profound reasons. And so we get rid of some of those. And just yesterday I had a call from uh, an old client who tells me she's getting married in June. Brilliant. So you can even help people find beloved partners, and what, and what, well, and just a couple, and a, the negativity, then the positivity can come to you. Yeah, that's that's the thing. And and, and is there anything else as well? Um, other, other things that, that I know there are. There's plenty of things. Perhaps just give other people uh, those who are already with someone or or so traumatized by the divorce they can't imagine yet going on a date. But what else might they have that you can help them with? 
Well, just to get rid of the bitterness. Yeah. And the resentment and the wish for the revenge. Because mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I heard about a man who took a, took a friend of mine out on a date and he spent the entire date telling her how awful his ex-wife was. And of course, they never saw each other again after that. So by the time you're getting around to dating, you really <laughs> need to have got rid of that <laughs> and be prepared to, to start again. So I help people start again. The other Brilliant. thing that's very helpful is for children who have been badly affected by a divorce. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think all children are affected to quite a large degree, and often they think it's their fault. And if they had been uh, worthy of more love, maybe that spouse would have stayed in the uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. So, so they take it on themselves as being guilty of the breakup of the marriage so many times. So you're so. able to work sort of through Zoom on, with children as well, if they're if yeah. they're old enough to to participate. I have done it with children on Zoom, but I, I also love seeing them in person. Yeah, it's always nice. They find the testing yeah. method a lot of fun, uh, you yeah. know, seeing what the unconscious mind has got, has got to say to them. Yeah, they're much more open as well. That's brilliant. Thank thank you so much, Debbie. I'm going to let you loose now. What, what are you going to be doing with us for the next uh, 10 minutes? Well, I'm just going to be doing an aura healing again because I reckon we all need it for the current... Uh, state of the world and yes. everything else the more we can contribute towards some calmness and uh, happiness I think the better it is so that's lovely thank you all right everyone good evening let us put a circle of protective light around us and ask that everything we do will be for the greatest and the highest good and we're now going to put ourselves under a shower of universal love and light so that we can be cleaned both inside and out We're going to bring a shaft of white light through the top chakra in our heads, down through the body so that we can enliven each chakra so that it can respond by becoming a truer color and is spinning smoothly around its spindle. So we take the light down through the top chakra, which is violet or purple. This is the chakra that sits on the crown of your head and it represents our ability to be fully connected spiritually. It governs our connection to the divine. There's a mantra for this chakra, which is, I am a vessel for light and love. Just try saying it to yourself as you revive that top chakra and get that purple light spinning evenly around its axis. Now we take the shaft down to the next chakra, which is the third eye chakra. It is dark blue and it it controls our intuition, imagination and wisdom. It's about our sense of purpose and direction in life. Its mantra is, I am open to exploring what cannot be seen. Try saying it to yourself while you visualize the beautiful deep blue light spinning smoothly around its axis. And we take the shaft of light down to the next chakra, which is the throat chakra, which is light blue. It gives voice to the heart chakra and controls our ability to communicate our personal power. And it helps us to express ourselves truly and clearly. It's the chakra for bringing peace into your life so if you're feeling less than peaceful you can always try reviving this chakra and taking its light blue light up the axis and down the axis to all the other chakras 
And the mantra for this chakra is, I speak my truth always. See it pure and spinning clear and true. Now we take the shaft of light down to the next chakra, the heart chakra, which is green. A beautiful, deep green, even colored throughout. It's a chakra which is the bridge between the lower ones, which are associated with the material, and the upper chakras, which are more to do with spirituality. It's about love, relationships, and self-acceptance. So it influences our ability to give and receive love from others and ourselves, and our ability to be open to the people in our lives, and to experience deep compassion and sympathy. It controls joy and inner peace. Visualize it spinning smoothly, a lovely deep green. The mantra for this one is, when I love myself, loving others comes easily. Say it to yourself as you see this chakra spinning. The next chakra is the solar plexus chakra, your powerhouse, and it's yellow. It controls your sense of self-worth, self-confidence and self-esteem, and has to do with personal power. See it clear and positive and bright and spinning around its axis. This is the chakra from which you make connection to others. So when you find that someone's eating your energy, leaving you drained, what we mostly do quite reflexively is to cross our arms over this chakra. And that protects it and it stops the connection between you and the other person. So if you catch yourself doing this as a reflex, ask yourself why. Is this person draining you? Or actually, would you like a connection with that person? So see it clear and positive, a bright, bright yellow gold. And the mantra for this chakra is, self-love starts when I accept all parts of myself and it allows one the freedom to express one's true self. Moving further down to the next chakra is the uh, orange chakra. And that is called the sacral chakra. This one helps inform how we relate to our emotions and other people's emotions and help us feel in control of our lives. This is a pure orange. Just make sure, no dark flecks, pure, deep, orange and see it spinning around its axis. It governs creativity and sexuality and our feelings of pleasure. Its mantra is, I always honor others, but not before myself. Visualize it growing orange while saying that, spinning smoothly around its shaft of white light. And now we go down to the root chakra, the base chakra, which is rich, pure red, which is at the base of the spine and this controls survival issues like financial independence, money, food. It represents our foundations and a sense of being grounded and when it's open it helps us to feel confident in our ability to withstand challenges and stand on our own two feet and gives us a sense of belonging. When it's blocked we feel threatened as if we're standing on unstable ground. So visualize this red light spinning smoothly, pure, clear red, 
And the mantra for this chakra is, I can grow best from a steady foundation. Right, so we're going to draw the shaft of white light right the way down through our chakras and let it start pooling around our feet. And the pool is getting bigger and bigger, turning into a lake all around us. Allow anything in there that is not of the light to become one with the light, or you can send it back to where it came from. Watch any darkness disperse, and the white light become pure and bright and sparkly, and you are standing in the center. Right. We are now going to take our imaginary bazookas out and aim them for any blackness, any black cloud that you may have above your head. And fire this bazooka at that black cloud. Don't worry if you don't have one, but if you do, fire the bazooka. And watch it disperse. Watch the black cloud disperse. Watch it splinter into fragments. And it leaves room for other things to happen. So now we're going to start to peel ourselves of negative stuff, like peeling a grape, one layer at a time. So let's start with despair, peel this layer off and expand into the extra room that this allows. How about hopelessness? Let's peel that off like a grape. And feel the room that that allows. Defeat, a wish to give up. Peel yourself like a grape. Stress, a word which is very overused, but let's use it and peel ourselves like a grape. And take in a deep breath. Disconnection, removing the grape peel and consciously alerting ourselves to connect. Lethargy, can't be bothered. Let's remove that. Hatred of your partner, perhaps of yourself, maybe of your in-laws, does you no good. It keeps you chained. Let's peel ourselves like a grape. And now for the future, fear, fear what life's going to bring us, fear of the future. Peel it off. And take a deep breath and allow yourself to feel the extra space that removing all these things has allowed you. And I'd like to download for you at this that I am valid as a single person. I am valid. And let me also remove from each one of you at this point I am not valid unless I'm married. Right. Let's do a few more. Let's remove the anger from us, peeling us like a grape. And the defensiveness that we guard ourselves with, let's peel it off. How's anyone going to know the real you if you're defensive? And what we often use to replace love is aggression which is often caused by fear. So let's remove that. And powerlessness, powerlessness in the face of such strong forces. Let us peel that off and download for us 
each one of us power. And now I would like to attract some of the good things to us and breathe them in into the extra space that we've created. So let's start with happiness. Downloading through every cell of your body and every aspect of your being, happiness. Take a breath, see how that feels. Lightheartedness, joyousness. Let's leave ourselves open to that, breathe it in. Well-being and contentment. Breathe it in. It's all all right. Compassion. Compassion for yourself and everyone else. Downloading it, breathe it in. And also detachment, which will allow the universe to bring good to you. Breathe in detachment. Breathe it in. Feel yourself expanding and softening. Let's also breathe in a sense of humor. It's amazing what a, a laugh can do, isn't it? How it can dispel unhappiness. Financial security, let's all wish ourselves financial security. Breathe it in, attract it to yourself and the ability to relax, breathe it in. And last but not least, wonderful health and feel the energy of the life force flowing within you. Now we're going to reconnect or strengthen our connections to our higher beings. So let's take up an energy from the heart and let that energy direct itself up through the throat, through the third eye and through the top chakra at the top of your head and let it travel off to the creator who receives it and responds, sending it back through your top chakra, down through all your chakras, a loving, welcoming, protective energy, down through all the chakras and back up to the heart. Then we reconnect with the Archangel Michael, which is the Archangel of Change, and we take an energy from our heart chakra up through the top of our heads to the Archangel Michael and ask the Archangel Michael to guide us through all this change. And downloading Archangel Michael's energy all the way down through all our chakras to the base chakra and back up to the heart again. And now I'd like to reconnect each one of us to the soul the soul without which none of us would be here. And take the energy from your heart right the way up through your top chakra to, to your soul and a loving, warm, welcoming and regenerating response from your soul right the way back down through all your chakras, to the base chakra back up to the heart. And now let us put a protection around all these energies and connections and repeat to yourself, I reclaim my power three times. I reclaim my power. I reclaim my power. 
Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. And uh, sorry, we're going to be a little bit late for those of you who are on the Secret Divorce Group waiting for me to appear in Zoom. I shall be here in two seconds. But thank you very much to all my wonderful guests and in the war of divorce on the battlefield of family separation. Let's always make sure we use peace as our weapon of choice. <laughs>